Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you serve a Heavenly Father that will never break His promise to you? Amen. I just love the fact that God is always honoring His word. Amen. That we can trust Him for everything. You know, He doesn't even have the capacity to lie. Scripture says it is impossible. He does not have the capacity to lie. But, you know, we know we do. And so we need to learn to put our faith and trust completely in him because he will never leave you unbroken. I was thinking when they're singing that song, just the things that, I don't know, when people are talking about, hey, how you doing? What's going on in your life? Let me tell you what's going on in my life. We need to make sure our confession lines up with the word of God. Amen? Because a lot of times I'm more apt to say, well, right now I'm kind of feeling a little broken, but you know what? I need to walk around saying I'm unbroken in Jesus' name. My marriage is unbroken. My body's unbroken. My finances are unbroken. My kids, my relationship's unbroken. Amen. And not because of who I am, because of who he is in me. Amen. Because he never breaks his promise. I love that about our God. Hey, we're so thankful that you're here today. Thanks for coming out this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord together. Uh, We've been praying as we always do, getting ready for service. No, God's brought you here. He's got a word just for each and every one of us, myself included. I want to let you know, again, our child dedication service is next weekend. So make sure that you are making arrangements, inviting family and friends out. I just want to encourage you in that. You know, we know that we uh, come to the Lord different places in life, so it's not just for the newborn little babies, although they're sweet, wonderful, and cute, but it's, uh, you know, if you're at a new place in life, or maybe you've come to the Lord later, in fact, I talked to a lady a couple weeks ago that had a little baby in a carrier, and she said she had like a three and five-year-old also, she wanted to get them all dedicated, and I said, absolutely. I said, but you know what? It's really not about dedicating the children as much as it is dedicating yourself to raise them up in a godly home, Amen. And so we need that uh, from all of us. Come out and support that. And we'll look forward to a great time uh, next weekend in that. In fact, let me just tell you the next two weeks, uh, as far as our series goes, uh, we're still on the Unbroken series. Got a great uh, message for you today in the relationship aspect of it. Uh, We're going to shift gears the last two Sundays, next week and the 30th. And we're going to stay in the unbroken theme, but we're going to look at the covenant that God has for us or provide for us of health and healing. And so we're going to look and see what the Bible says about God's healing power and the covenant to be healed and whole. Amen. Because how many of you guys know God still heals today? He does signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. Nothing's impossible for God. He is a healing, miracle-working God. And so we believe that here at Tree of Life. And so I want to encourage you the next two Sundays, let's look at the covenant of healing and wholeness that God has provided. And I want to say, if you know someone that's not feeling so good or sick or got a bad report, bring them out because they need to hear the truth of God's word. Amen. So make plans to do that the next couple of weeks, and we're excited about that as well. Open your Bibles up and turn to Psalms 89 for me. Let's dive right in this morning. Psalms 89. Um, as I said, we're continuing on with the Unbroken series. We will throughout the course of the month or the rest of the month um, this morning. We're going to kind of wrap up the relationship piece of it, and then we'll shift gears, as you've already heard, the next two Sundays. But you know, as you look at life, life seems to have so much brokenness to it. Um, it doesn't take much to turn on the news, watch TV, walk around, just walk around, sit in a restaurant for a little while, or walk around at Walmart or something, you see a lot of unbrokenness. And it's just the world that we live in, although it wasn't created that way. And we need to realize God didn't create it that way. So God has a way to restore back to original intent. 
And maybe not so much the earth, but the people in the earth, amen? And so God has created a way for you and I to live unbroken in a broken world. But we have to live out the principles of his word and able to experience that. Now he's provided that way, but it's up to you to walk in it, right? And when you're a doer of the word, then the, then the power of God's released into areas of your life. And so I'm gonna encourage you in that. Uh, but we know in looking at brokenness in life, I think the majority of it comes from relationships. I mean, you, you, the people around about you have the power to make you or break you. There's some of their, your greatest uh, highs in life. There's some of your greatest lows in life. And you can be broken in marriage relationships. We see that a lot in life. Um, family relationships, we see that as well. Uh, friendships. Um, and then even your relationship with the Lord, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. So I want to encourage you to open your hearts up this morning to just what God has for you. Let's start here in uh, our, our foundational scripture, Psalms here. Take a look at this. And I love this, and going back to the, the song today, he's a good, good father, and I appreciate my wife's obedience to come and share what the Holy Spirit had impressed upon her heart, because it really brings this home for me, because, you know, he's a good father, amen? He's the best father ever could be. So I looked at this scripture this morning through the eyes of a heavenly father and how he might respond to us, because really it's like he's responding to something, isn't he? I mean, the way it starts out. So it might be something strong, like you might be really frustrated and might be really hurt. Where are you, God? And don't you see things going on in my life and things aren't working out and you said this and you said this and I can see God saying, hold on a second. No, I'm not gonna break my covenant with you. But then I can see you coming from a standpoint of just hurt and brokenness and, and, and the, the sadness of, uh, of what, where are you? I, I thought you were there and, I, and I, I really need you. You didn't show up. I can almost see him like put his hand on your, on your cheeks like say, no, I'll not break my covenant. And it just looks different to me through the eyes or the, the filter rather of him as the heavenly father that he will not break his covenant ever. It's impossible for him to and he'll not take back a single word he said. And so whether he has to say it and really get your attention and get you snapped out of that, that place or whether he just softly embraces your cheeks and, and whispers gently in your ear that soothing, calming voice, guess what? He means it. No matter what that is in your life, it's true. He's not gonna break his covenant with you. But here's the thing I know about covenant. God will always honor his end of the covenant. He always does his part. But the real question, honestly, is do we? Because this morning, really where I want to go with the message this morning is, is this idea of, yes, we enter into a covenant through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, right? And covenant, breaking covenant down, it means to cut where there's blood. And, and it really uh, emphasizes that it's the highest relationship possible. And, and God wants the highest relationship possible that, that he possibly can with you. And so the, he paid the highest price through his son, Jesus. And, and it just emphasizes how much he wants to be in a covenant relationship with you. And we're so thankful for our covenant with God, aren't we, through Jesus Christ? We celebrate that, but you know what? Just because you enter into a covenant doesn't mean that you walk out the covenant. <laughs> but I'm saved. I have a covenant with our Heavenly Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God. But you know what? There's turmoil and stuff going on in my life. I can't seem to get a hold of it. And this morning, I want to ask you the question, are you doing your part? I don't mean this to be hard, but I think it's, we have to be completely honest with ourselves because we want to walk in what God has, and salvation's great, my eternity is in heaven, but I got a whole lot of earth, hopefully, to walk out on this planet, and I want to walk out as a covenant child of God and walk in all the blessings that my heavenly Father has provided because he's not going to break the covenant, and he's not going to take a single word back. So I need to do my part to walk in the covenant blessings of God. 
And so sometimes maybe the struggles and challenges in our life and disappointments are more related to maybe we're not doing our part. Maybe we didn't know exactly what that looks like. Well, this morning I want to help us see that so we can walk out and do our part. Because understand this, worldly ways equal worldly results. Godly ways equal godly results. Amen? And that's what we want in our hearts and lives and relationships. Open your Bible up to Hebrews 8 for me. Hebrews 8. Here's what it says. In verse 10, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. And listen to this last line. I'll be their God and they will be my people. Now understand, if you, if you back up Hebrews 8, you start reading. We started in verse 10. Start reading in verse 1. Read down to that. It really talks about the old covenant. That they had a, a, an established set of rules or code or things to follow. And really, the old covenant really revealed to us the need for a new covenant. That the old covenant was out there to help us realize that we can't, no matter what we do, we can't measure up to God's standards. And so we needed some, something to happen. And the new covenant is an expression of Jesus' love and shed blood. Gives us the ability to walk in the covenant. So it says this, I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. What God is saying, the old covenant was trying to get people to live right. The new covenant creates opportunity for you and I to be right because of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we're switching gears. So listen, it's the difference between religion and relationship. It's not about all the things that we do. It's about who we are. Amen? And so if we understand who we are, we'll do the right things. Right? So he's switching gears on us. or Not switching gears. Switching covenants on us. He's moving it to a different place relationally. And it says, and I love that, and if you don't know that for sure, he says this at the end, I'll be their God and they'll be my people. You realize he doesn't say that I'll be their master and they'll be my subjects. To which we would probably be okay with that. I mean, as compared to not being anything with God. But he he doesn't say that. He doesn't say I'll be their master and they'll be my slaves. I'll be the entity in heaven that they'll worship and kiss my ring and fear or whatever that is. He says, I'll be there, as my wife expressed, father, capital F, I'll be their father and they'll be my children. That's what he's saying. I love that about the covenant we have, and that's what God offers you and I as we enter that covenant, but we need to walk out the principles there. So let me give you five practices that you'd be involved in, even today, when we're talking about covenants. If you go study all Old Testament covenants, New Testament covenant, all the aspects of it, you back and study historical data, here's five things I think that you'll find in common with a covenant. And I wanna share these with you this morning because I want you to look and see, are you doing these? And if not, you simply need to repent like myself. I need to and start doing it again, right? God's got a fresh start, new beginning. Grace and mercy is new every morning. And so, but let's be honest and see so we can be people that walk out the covenant. So if you're in a covenant with God, these five things are gonna show up. You need to do these. Number one, there's gonna be bloodshed. Now bear with me for a minute. Let me explain that a little bit. And covenant back, peel covenant down to this base level. It means to cut to the point of blood. Again, expressing it's the highest commitment possible. And to which we might be thinking, every time I come into a covenant, I got to bleed. <laughs> and I would say, no, God took care of that for you. But God initiated covenant with you and I by sending his son to die and to bleed. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid the price once and for all? Amen. So Jesus bled because that is the standard for the highest level of covenant. And that's why, um, and that's very, that, that was very important because God was trying to convey something significant to you and I. He was trying to show the depth of his commitment to you and I. Highest price, 
highest level, amen? High standard. So when you look at the cross and all the things associated with the cross and everything that happened, there is no higher level of commitment that God has for us. And so uh, God just, let me say it this way. God didn't just bleed because my kids, I guess my kids are 16, 17. As a dad, you know what it is when your kids aren't feeling good and when you're sick. Man, you know how that just grabs your heart? And you even pray this prayer. Come on, you pray this prayer. God, just let me have that. I mean, I I wanna help them and and they're hurting and stuff. And and 16 and 17 has different hearts. I don't want them hurting anymore. Man, give that to me, give that to me. I'll take that off of them. Can you imagine a heavenly father? How much more than he wasn't, he he, he didn't take that off his son. I mean, think of the price he paid now. He he would have taken, any, any of us would do anything to take pain and suffering off of our kids and put it on ourselves. But God said, he has to pay, he has to pay the price. He has to suffer. Could there be any greater expression of commitment and love than God allowing his son to suffer for you and I? I mean, I think about it, my own kid, I don't think I could do that. But yet he loved us so much. The highest level of relationship possible is with God. I'll be their God and they will be my people. The greatest expression of love there ever could be. And so uh, think about the marriage, the marriage covenant. That's gonna be our example. And so uh, back in the day in the Jewish custom was that when they were getting married, they would cut an animal into pieces and they'd place the animal in pieces and the bride and the groom would lock arms and they'd walk around all the pieces. And so basically what it would say was a reminder of the highest level of relationship there could be. And they would say a vow that would be something like this, um, let it be unto us if we break our vow like it was unto the animal. And so I'm so glad we don't do that today, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm so, because I don't know if I'd ever get through a ceremony, I'd just see the blood and pass out. <laughs> But the expression or the symbolism there was, this is, there's no greater commitment. There's no greater commitment. And understanding what God made to you and I. And he entered in the covenant with you and I. Well, you look all throughout scripture, you see that, and God initiated his first covenant with Abraham the same way. Abraham, the father of faith. If you go study Abraham, we talk about him a lot. We consider him the father of faith, the father of many nations. He told Abraham, if you're gonna come into a covenant with me, here's how this has to work. And then he introduced Abraham to the concept of circumcision. Now, aren't you glad you don't have to do that and enter the covenant too, right? You guys are like, come on, man. There'd be a whole lot less of us probably walking into the covenant. But he comes to Abraham and he says, I'm all in with you. I need to see how serious you are with me. There has to be some bloodshed. So he tells Abraham, I'm gonna, be, I, I'm gonna have a relationship with you that's uh, unlike any other, but here's what I need for you to do. There has to be bloodshed. And they said, we need this to happen through circumcision. So can you imagine the great faith Abraham must have had going back to his community and talking to all the men? Hey guys, need all the men to come over here. God came and told me he wants to be with you. Yeah, God wants to be our God. That's awesome, yeah, yeah. What else did he say? Well, you're not gonna really believe this. <laughs> We have to get circumcised. <laughs> but the point of all that is, God needs to see our commitment to him. He, he's, he's saying to him, he goes, I need to see this commitment level that you have. God says, let me see how serious you are. And that would take great faith for them, certainly in that day, and, and to come and, and, and as God instituted that. And God's serious. And so uh, you see it in scripture over and over again. God, wants, God still wants a bloodshed type commitment from you, but not a literal shedding of blood. Let me explain that in just a second. And then it, because the New Testament says this, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross made it where we never have to cut up an animal again. So there'd be no literal bloodshed. But look what he says in Colossians 2.11. Colossians 2.11 says this, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, covenant God entered into with Abraham, but not by a physical procedure, 
Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, and here's what that meant, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Isn't that awesome? Thank goodness. Well, thank goodness, number one, we don't have to go through that, that, the adult process of that, but listen, what God did is Jesus paid the price, but the entering into a relationship or covenant with Jesus, there is, needs to be a cutting away. But here's the thing, let me ask you this morning. We are good and we are thankful that Jesus shed his blood, but have we cut away any sinful nature in our life? Okay, God, okay, I mean, I'm thankful for Jesus shedding his blood, but I'm gonna do, still do some kind of some of this over here and some of this. Or I, I wanna do maybe that and this, but I'll cut this away, but I don't know about that. And God's saying, listen, we gotta cut everything that's not of God away, because God says, I'm all in, and I need you to come all in with me for this really to work to our benefit, amen? And so there has to be a cutting away on our part. When it talks about bloodshed, it doesn't mean a literal bloodshed, but it means a cutting away of something and some things in our life. So sometimes some people are saved, but they're not walking in covenant because they're not willing to cut away some things that are not of God. And so we miss out on some things. The second thing, second thing you'll always see in a covenant is a name change, a name change. And of course we see that today in marriage. The bride will usually take the husband's last name. Uh, Jessamy, before she met me, um, was Jess, or married me, was Jessamy Fuller. Now she's Jessamy Duncan. You take on the nature and name of the one you're coming into covenant with. And again, we see that in scripture in a place, and let's use Abraham as our example again, when God entered the covenant with Abraham. But his name wasn't always Abraham. His name before it was Abraham was Abram. It was Abram. And God came to him and said, we're gonna call you Abraham. Now understand, when God did that, God's name in Hebrew shortened is the name Ha, Ha, Ha. I don't know how to, in, in, if you've ever heard, you know, in the Hebrew or whatever, it's like Ha, Ha. I don't know how to do it. Anyway, so I, like I'm clearing my throat. That's kind of what it sounds like. And so, but, it, but what God did was he took that part of his name and he put it in Abram's name, making it Abraham. God gave him part of his name. So instead of Abram, he became Abraham. Instead of Sarai, his wife, she became Sarah. Can you see the exchange? God is into an all out exchange and he says, I'm gonna give you my name. I'm gonna give you my nature. So God says in his covenant, you get and take on my name. And listen, understand too for you and I, as Christians, you know where the word Christian comes from? It has the root word Christ in it. What, he gave us his name, he gave those that would follow him his name, Christians. But some of us are like, no, no, not one of those Christians. Not one of those. Don't be ashamed of the name of Christ. And that's who we are, he gave us his name, that's a good thing, we wanna be on that side. We're not ashamed to bear his name. Sometimes in covenant, the name is completely changed. And when God came into covenant with Jacob, Jacob's name meant trickster or deceiver. In fact, Jacob tricked his dad into stealing the birthright of his brother Esau. And so his name was trickster and deceiver. And God said, no longer are we gonna call you Jacob or deceiver and trickster. We're gonna call you Israel, which means prince with God. So if you... um, Come into a real covenant with God, he'll change your entire identity. Let me say it this way. No longer will you be called lost. No longer will you be called broken. No longer will you be called hurt. No longer insignificant. No longer guilty. No longer with shame. No longer uncaring. Listen, we took on his name in this divine exchange, amen? And we are rulers with him. We are joint heirs with him. We are sons and daughter of the king. I'm telling you what, man, we, we traded a great, into a great name right there. No longer are we called sick. 
No longer are we called poor. No longer are we called alone. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because many of you could say, that's right, man, when I came to that covenant relationship with God, my life completely changed. Old things become passed away and all things become new. I've taken on his name and his nature and I'm nothing like I was before. People don't even recognize me anymore. That's part of a covenant. When you come to covenant with him, he'll change you into a completely different person. Not only that, listen, he gives you complete access to his name. We carry the name that is the final authority above any other name. In fact, the Bible says that we have the name which is above all other names, which means you carry around the name of Jesus, which is higher than the name of cancer which is higher than the name of bankruptcy, which is higher than the name of of sickness and disease or guilt or anything we already mentioned. Listen, that's the name you carry. Oh, if we would get revelation of that and start walking in it. And he gave us the authority of his name. We have the authority. It's like, his name's like our badge of authority, much like a police officer. A police officer, you see, will go out and stop traffic and it's not, he's not big enough to physically stop traffic. But what stops people? It's the authority he represents, the authority that badge represents, the, the community of New Braunfels, the state of Texas, whatever that looks like. Listen, we have the authority of heaven through the name of Jesus that we can stand and change circumstances because we have his name. If we're walking in it, that doesn't mean we're always operating in it, but it's part of the covenant exchange. You carry his name, you carry his authority. A new identity, John 14, 13 through 14 says this, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So here's the question, why does God want us to bear his name and use his name? And here's the answer. He wants to be your priority relationship, not just one of your relationships. Uh, Let me illustrate this way, back to our marriage illustration. Jessamy doesn't have any last name, she has the last name of the one she considers her priority relationship. Think about that. She has the last name Duncan. That means she considers me her priority relationship. We have the name of our heavenly father in our name. We have the name of Jesus in us. We have have his authority. We, We have access to his name. He's to be, he wants us to be, he wants to be our priority relationship. He doesn't want to just be on your list. He wants to be top of your list. Your priority. Let, me, let me say it this way. If he's not the top of your list, he's not on your list. Why? Because he doesn't play second fiddle to anybody. He doesn't have to. He's God. So listen, he wants to be our priority relationship. So he gives us his name. So God wants you in his family. And God wants you in a church family. That's important. God wants you in his family, he wants you in a church family. That's why the New Testament is very strong about your association with the local church, as you enter in a covenant with a church family. So you can read in the New Testament, about 30 times in the New Testament, it says to get involved in a local community or local church and be committed to it. Listen, it doesn't have to be this one. In fact, there's a lot of great churches in the area, but the point is, don't be wandering out there by yourself. He wants you to be in covenant with a group of believers. The family. And don't follow men, don't follow women, don't follow people, follow God. And get connected, why? Because you come into a covenant relationship and you'll operate and function with that name. You come into covenant with a church family. So when you come into a covenant, you'll always see uh, the shedding of blood, you'll see a name change. Number three, you'll see an outward sign, an outward sign. And that means there was something they showed on the outside of what happened on the inside. 
And when you look in the scripture, many times you'll see it called a seal. It might say something like, to be sealed or sealed with, or it's gonna be sealed, they sealed the commitment with. A covenant is an inward decision expressed with an outward sign. Uh, let's take a look at one of the most beautiful, powerful outwards, and listen, God is into outward signs. He's very passionate about outward signs. He's not into secret, kind of secret Christian, secret agent Christian. He's into outward, expressive signs, let everybody know, why wouldn't he be, he's God. Let's look at one of the most beautiful, powerful one. Genesis 9, 16 through 17. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Why the rainbow? Let's take a look at the next scripture. Because God said to Noah, this is the sign of the what? This is a sign of the covenant I've established between me and all life on the earth. Like, come on, like a rainbow, Pastor, don't come on. A rainbow is just like, okay, there's water vapor and the sun rays hits it and the, they be, create these prisms with all these, if I'm being too technical, let me, let me know. And all these prism thingies happen and beautiful colors are up in the sky and all this stuff and that's a rainbow. Listen, you know what that is? That's God telling you and I, I have a covenant with you and I will not destroy this earth again. That's God saying, I know it's rain, but don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I don't know how, how much it rains, but I'm not going to destroy this earth because I have a covenant with all living on it. It's a covenant expression. God's very passionate about his signs. So having said that, what I see in a, the marriage relationship, you know what the sign of a marriage relationship is? This is the wedding band. It's the wedding band. You know, this wedding band does not make me married, but it lets everybody know that I belong to somebody. Let's everybody know I belong to somebody else. I have a priority relationship in life. The marriage covenant, the wedding band is uh, the marriage is the covenant sign. The the, the wedding band. Um, it lets everybody know that I belong to somebody. And see, the thing I think that we need to realize is God is very passionate about outward signs of inward works. So I say this all the time. We talk about water baptism. Water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. So I'm not promoting the next water baptism, but I'm promoting God's very passionate about his outward signs. In the scripture, God talks to it about that. In fact, can I just say a couple Wednesday nights ago, we had 85 people get water baptized. 85 people outwardly express the inward work, the covenant of God in their life, amen? 85 people at one time. Listen, God's very passionate about that. Listen, it's very important to God to have those outward expressions. He tells us after we make the decision to follow him that he wants us to wear the band of a public display of love through water baptism, to let everybody know. It would be like me like telling Jessamy, I love you, but I don't want anybody to know I have you in my heart. Can I tell you that won't go over well? Yeah. So let me tell you a quick story. So uh, I was uh, taking a, leading a mission trip years ago to Mexico, some of our teenagers down there, and we were in Tampico, Mexico, on the Gulf Coast, and doing a lot of crusades and evangelism. And so it's in Tampico, so there's a beach there, it's on the Gulf Coast, and so we had a free day. Let's all go out, let's take the kids out to the beach and have a good time. Well, we're out at the beach and stuff, and at some point in time during that time, I lost my wedding ring. And it was a nice one. It was the one that she gave me when I got married. It had something really sweet inscribed on the inside of it. I mean, I was in panic. I'm like, what happened? And where did it go? Where's it at? Where, where is it? What happened to it? And I, I couldn't find it. But here's what I knew. I couldn't come home without a wedding band. I, was just, I, I can't come home without anything. And so there's these ladies walking around selling jewelry, right? They're just selling stuff and stuff. So I called one over and stuff. And she just happened to have this one right here. This one that's on my, I've had this, I don't know, 15 years now. I bought it for $9, $9 on the beach in Tampico. But I knew I couldn't come home without one. That wouldn't fly, right? Or she'd send me back there and I'd be excavating the Tampico beach for years and years trying to find that ring. 
The sad thing is she got me another ring to replace it, and I, so I wore that one, and I eventually I lost that one too. I'm, yeah, I know, but this one I can't lose. I, I leave it places, and it, it's on my nightstand in the morning when I wake up. I'm like, what happened? How'd that get there? Can't lose this one. I eventually found the second one, but I like this one. So anyways, <laughs> I can't lose it. My point is God is very passionate about his outward signs, keeping the covenant, right? We're talking about our part of the covenant. That's part of a covenant, making sure that we're walking in that. Uh, let me give you another one, number four, um, a meal, a meal. We see this every time we see covenant, it's, there's a meal associated, associated with it. We see it in marriage. Uh, we see wedding cakes. Uh, that's what happens. This goes back centuries. There, there's something that they do to partake of that kind of uh, helps solidify or seal the covenant. There's a meal, there's a reception. Um, you know, there's covenants were sealed with eating meals. Look it up, you can see it in the scripture. But understand this, the first thing that we will do when the groom whom the Bible says is Jesus, returns for his church, whom the Bible says is the bride, and then we're caught up in the air with him in heaven, the very first thing we will do is we will go to heaven and we will experience the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're gonna be in with our, our covenant of Jesus and we're gonna sit down and have a huge covenant meal. First thing, hey, that's worth going to heaven right there. A big, huge meal in heaven. We're coming together. What are we doing? Because we're, we're in covenant. We're gonna have a, a covenant meal with our, with our Jesus. Covenant meal. I love that. It's really a, a very serious covenant moment. It means I'm in covenant with you. The modern day example, of course, for us believers would be the Lord's Supper, communion. We'd call it communion maybe. Luke 22, 19 through 20 says this, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after the supper, after the supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new what? Covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. So we know and understand that to be communion. That, the expression here is uh, typically the first Wednesday of every month we do communion. I invite you out to partake. Uh, we do it on Sunday mornings. We did it not long ago uh, from time to time. We're gonna do it on the 30th, the last Sunday of this month. Everybody come out. We're gonna partake. We're gonna have the opportunity to partake of the, the, the covenant, the Lord's Supper, the communion there. But listen, I, I wanna also challenge you in something uh, because eating together is a covenant spiritual event. I wanna ask you all, to consider something, my family included, about either establishing or reestablishing um, a family meal in your home. Oh, pastor, we just don't have time, it's just so busy. Hey, I hear you, but listen, partaking with your family in a family meal, that's a covenant experience. That's a covenant experience. And you know what happens when we go out, we're gonna go out to eat, it's not the same because there's too many distractions. In fact, when you go out to eat, everybody's on their phone, right? Except if you're like my, my friend Chris I saw earlier, he had a flip phone, I walked by, he had a flip phone, I'm like, is that a flip phone? So I called my 16-year-old over and I said, Camry, look, see this? She's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> so I was giving, my, giving a hard time to my friends, Chris and Haley. And, but, then, but I thought, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? If we all had flip phones, we wouldn't be on them that much, right? <laughs> so thank you. That's a good lesson you taught me, Chris. Appreciate it. But when we're together with family, that's covenant. That's a covenant meal. We need to make time for that to happen in our homes. And let me say this about married couples. And I'm, I'm, I, this really convicted me. You need a date night. Well, we got a lot going on. You need a date night so you can have a, a covenant meal with your spouse, right? And you may not talk about like deep spiritual things, but can I tell you, just being together in that capacity is a deep spiritual thing. Why? It's covenant. It's an expression of the covenant. And so we need to be people of the covenant. We need to find time and reestablish or establish family meals and date nights and those things and have a meal together, talk and, and make that work. And uh, let me... 
Let me say this too about spiritual leaders. You need to take the lead in your home to do that, as a spiritual leader. And also, can I say this also? You don't have to wait to come to church to take communion. You can take communion at home anytime, anytime. So I, I just wanna throw that out there. And it's a, it's a covenant powerful moment. Um, let me say this also, because this is a principle of this covenant meal thing. Uh, it's the same reason why small groups are important. And it's very biblical. That's why small groups are important. They are, uh, they're powerful, they're scriptural, and we're gonna develop and emphasize more small groups here in a much greater way. Why? Because they're covenant. So there's great power available to that. Listen, in Acts 2, the New Testament church met in big meetings, the temple courts, and they broke bread together from house to house. They had covenant meals in small groups. Why? So they could do life together, covenant life together in small groups. And I just don't want to go that and want to do that. Listen, that's biblical and that's powerful. Why? It's covenant. And so we're gonna be reformatting and refocusing in a greater capacity for this upcoming year, more small groups. Why? So we can be in line with scripture and do more covenant activities together. This big meeting is important. Don't get me wrong, you need to come every time you can. It's all about the big meeting stuff right now, but listen, but they also broke bread together in homes. Temple worship and house to house ministry. Every one of us needs that. Five covenant practices, last one an exchange of everything, an exchange of everything, the great exchange. Because I'm in covenant, I'm going to give you something. I'm not looking to take something from you, I'm gonna give you something. And the God covenant says, everything I have belongs to you and everything you have belongs to me. Now understand this, in every relationship, there is one of the two that gets the better end of the deal. I don't know what it looks like in your marriage. But there's one, because no one comes and brings something exactly equal. That's impossible. But it just happens that way. But listen, covenant says that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, so nobody can sit there and say, well, you should be lucky you married me. Look at all the stuff you got. You don't really see a whole lot all going on over there. Or you know what? I'm the breadwinner here, and I'm doing really good. You should be grateful that you're in marriage with me or covenant with me. It's like, no, it's equal now. It's everything you have is mine. Everything I have is yours. It doesn't matter who brought what to the table. Covenant says it's all ours. Listen, why is that important? Because that's the way God looks at it. Because you think he got the fair end of the deal? No. He got all our stuff, but we got all his stuff. Man, did we benefit on that deal? We came out really good. So therefore, how can we hold something against somebody else when What do we have to offer to God? And we're so thankful for that divine exchange with him. But that's when we come into that with our spouses, with our families. It's an exchange of life. I have no possessions. Everything I have belongs to you and everything you have now belongs to me. So here's the great news. The exchange we made with Jesus, every single one of us got the better end of the deal. Every single one of us. In fact, he got our sin and we get his righteousness. He got our sickness and we get his healing. He got our attacks and we get his victory. He got our nature and we get his nature. He gets our poverty and we get his blessing. Christianity is the most incredible transaction in the universe. There is nothing equal to it. God is a good and faithful God and he will never break his covenant. We got the better end. But... Are you doing your part? Because here's the deal, yet some of you are still reluctant to give God everything. We are. Some of us are still reluctant in areas of our life to give God everything. Let me just use this example because it's an easy one. People still wonder 
if the tithe works. I say, I don't know about all that, pastor. And I say to them very lovingly, out of concern, not for my benefit, but for their own benefit and well-being is, well then, go right ahead and manage it yourself if you can do a better job than your covenant partner, God. Because really that's what it amounts to. Because you know your covenant partner, God, who says he'll never break his covenant, is the one who says he can open the window of heaven. Your covenant partner, God, who'll never break his covenant, is the one that says that um, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, I'm gonna get my friends and pastor to be, you know, I want, you got a covenant partner that's greater than them. Uh, The covenant partner that you have that would say, if you trust me with this, then I'll make sure your fruit doesn't fall from the vine before it's time. You realize you're in a covenant partnership. And when you do your part, God's obligated to that. So I don't think any of us would deceive ourselves to thinking that we could manage this better than our covenant partner. Yet we still struggle at times with it. But it's a great exchange of everything. That's a covenant. And when you trust God with everything, you say, God, all this belongs to you. Not to me, it all belongs to you. And you say, I'm gonna demonstrate it regularly and give that to you because I'm in a covenant with you. And guess what? It works. He cannot break his covenant and he cannot, will not take back one single word. It's always better in his hands, in his hands than in your own hands. And two more scriptures, let's close. Matthew 10, 39 says this. Whoever, say whoever, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, when you go all in with him, when you give him everything, I promise you'll get so much more in return. You end up with the better part of the deal because he will not break his covenant and he'll not take back a single word. Let's go where we started, Hebrews 8.10, New Living Translation. But this is the new covenant I'll make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. If they will do their part, I will be their God and they will be my people. He is a good and faithful heavenly father and he has a great plan for your life. Just need you to do your part because he always does his. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.